I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I've been on the road for what feels like an eternity. The weariness in my bones begs for respite, and I can't ignore it any longer. Spotting a weathered sign indicating a rest stop up ahead, I decide to take a much-needed break. 
Little did I know that this decision would lead me into a nightmarish labyrinth from which escape seemed impossible. As I pulled into the seemingly abandoned rest stop, a chill crawls up my spine. The air is heavy with a palpable sense of unease, and the stillness hangs like a thick fog. Ignoring the nagging feeling in the pit of my stomach, I step out of the truck and venture towards the restroom. Inside, the dim, flickering lights cast eerie shadows on the worn-out walls. The doors creak open reluctantly, as if they've seen too much sorrow in their time. The mirrors reflect a tired face, etched with lines of exhaustion and apprehension. I splash water on my face, hoping to wash away the creeping unease, but the feeling lingers. Night falls, and as I make my way back to the truck, I realize something is dreadfully wrong. The rest stop is no longer the desolate place I arrived at. It has transformed into a distorted version of itself, as if I've stumbled into a twisted reflection of reality. Panic wells up within me as I realize that I'm trapped in a nightmarish loop, doomed to relive the same events over and over again. Each repetition brings a new layer of horror, revealing the dark history that clings to this forsaken place. I witness glimpses of vengeful spirits, their ethereal forms haunting the rest stop, driven by a thirst for revenge. Their whispered voices echo through the night, carrying tales of pain and sorrow. It becomes clear that this place is cursed, a purgatory for lost souls seeking justice. Determined to break free from this nightmarish cycle, I delve deeper into the rest stop secrets. With each iteration, I uncover fragments of the past, piecing together the puzzle of the spirit's torment. Their stories intertwine with the restless wind, revealing the atrocities that took place here long ago. Armed with this newfound knowledge, I confront the spirits pleading for release from their malevolent grip. I unravel the threads of their pain, promising to right the wrongs that were inflicted upon them. The air crackles with tension as the spirits hover in anticipation, their ghostly forms agitated yet curious. Through sheer will and desperate determination, I find a way to break the cycle. I offer solace and restitution to the vengeful souls, fulfilling their yearning for justice. As the first light of dawn creeps over the horizon, the rest stop shudders, as if shaking off the weight of its haunt. The spirits dissolve into a gentle mist, finally finding peace and release Exhausted yet triumphant, I stumble back to my truck, the world around me returning to its familiar form. The rest stop, once a nightmarish prison, is now a simple, empty place. I take one last look in the rearview mirror, whispering a silent farewell to the spirits whose lives I touch. As I hit the road once more, a sense of profound gratitude washes over me. 
I escape the clutches of that nightmarish loop, forever changed by the horrors I encountered. The open road stretches before me, a symbol of freedom and possibility. Yet, in the depths of my soul, I carry the weight of that haunted rest stop, a reminder of the darkness that lurks in forgotten places. Hi, everyone. I have been following this Reddit page with glee for the past few years without any stories of my own. I live in London, United Kingdom anyway. I did something different this year and had a holiday of a lifetime in New England and Ontario. Just for background, I hike a lot in the United Kingdom and nearly always by myself. Even though I work full time and live in London, I tend to do about 30,000 a week. Anyway, I took my boots to the United States of America and had a few hikes round upstate New York. We were obviously on a road trip. We were driving through the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Anyway, we were just past Lincoln and taking the long way to Consort when we decided to stop at a shelter on a mountain road. I put my boots on, but none of my family fancied it. So I decided to follow what looked like an old trail. There was no trailhead here, although I was officially in the White Forest State Park. I kept following aware that my family were still on the road, but didn't expect me back for an hour. It got very silent very quickly with what I heard as broken twigs all the time. I felt like something or someone was following me. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being stalked, especially as I had seen an old derelict shelter at the start of the trail. Anyway, it also dawned on me that I was an ill-prepared Brit with only a penknife to protect myself. I decided to head back, but still couldn't shake the weird feeling. New Hampshire did have this hold over me, by the way. Beautiful, but very disconcerting. I've lived in the same house my entire life, and many strange things have occurred there. But these recent events are just odd to me. My family rescued a stray cat, now my best friend L.O. Lowe, about seven, eight months ago. He is still young, about two years, I believe. My mom has been someone who would, for some reason, have dreams of events right before they occur. She can't control them or or anything, but they are sometimes of deaths of loved ones, which would turn out to be true. So I guess you could say she is open to the paranormal. I, I have experienced some strange things in the house, such as shadows waving at me, and I don't mean at the corner of my eye, they would be waving directly at me. But that all happened when I was younger, so I am still skeptical about the paranormal. Although I have seen a UAP with my family when I was younger that I still have no explanation for, but that's a story for another time. Now regarding my cat, 
There was this night about a couple of months ago when my mom felt the cat jump on her bed. She then felt the cat walk up to her face, but she got annoyed and covered her face with the blankets, expecting the cat to bother her fur. The cat then clawed at the blankets, trying to take them down from her face. And this happened for about 20 minutes. This was until she was so annoyed she got up and turned on the lights. But she then saw how the door was closed and that the cat wasn't even in her room at the time. Oh, actually awake around the time. When this was happening to her, uh, I have trouble sleeping. And the cat was sleeping next to me that night. The strange thing is that I actually heard footsteps walking toward my door, which was closed, which then stopped as I looked at the door. I then heard them continue away from my door and toward the room where mom sleeps. Besides the occasional knocking noises and footsteps, not much happened since then. But last night it seemed like something was messing with me. My cat was also sleeping with me last night. And right when I was about to fall asleep, I woke up completely as I hear the noise my cat makes with his claws when he stretches on the carpet, which is almost like a popping and tearing noise. I sit up and the noise suddenly stops. I laid back down. And when I was falling asleep again, the noise started it up. I saw my cat wake up as well and he began turning his head to look around the room to try and see what the cause of the noise was. At that point, I was just trying to ignore the noise and sleep since I have school this morning. However, my cat was way more annoyed than me, and he got up and walked around the edges of my bed, looking around to find the source of the noise. The creepy thing is that the noise seemed to move around. At first, it sounded right outside of my door but then it sounded like it was in the ceiling above me and then right under my bed. And the noise would just continue to jump around my room. My cat walked up to the headboard of my bed, which is cushioned, and he did the claw popping noise thing just for like a second, which was not normal as every time he would do it for about a minute or so. But immediately after the second he did it, the other noise stopped completely, and then my cat stopped and laid next to me again, and we both went to sleep. Also, for the past couple of weeks, I have been having horrible nightmares. Sometimes I can't even remember them, but I just remembered the fear I felt. And every time I wake up in a cold sweat, completely drenched, I don't know why all of this is happening, but perhaps there is a rational explanation for all of this that I just don't know of. But maybe you guys have had similar experiences of some kind. I just needed to get this out there, and I will update the situation if you guys want. But for now, this is what has happened so far. Edit. Ah, forgot to add the fact that there was a time when I was whistling during the night and then all of a sudden I hear whistling back at me from across the house. I thought it was someone in my family doing it. So I went out there. Everyone was asleep except my mom and I went up to her and asked her if she was doing it. She said no 
and she didn't hear it. But then I whistled again, right there and again. Something whistled back at us from across the house. But this time I knew for sure it wasn't my family, since no one was in that part of the house. The whistle was coming from. It was coming from the room I was just in originally, and someone moved all the way over there. My mom heard it this time, and still, both of us can't explain how something can clearly whistle back like that without being seen. This was way before my cat. I have also recently had times when my basement door, which has three locks on it, was wide open in the morning, even though I saw it was closed right before I went to sleep. My parents have heard talking in rooms while they are entering them, which the noise would stop when they fully enter. This happened in the same room the basement door is in. I could try and record the noises I have heard if they happened again, but I will let you guys know. Zero percent of my life I lived in a house in Marquette, Michigan that was inhabited by my entire family over the course of 43 years. Growing up, I was always scared in my house, and I could never put my finger on it until I eventually bought a house. The house felt like someone was always watching you. No matter where you were, it felt like someone was sitting in the corner of the room. Unexplained footsteps, talking, knocking, yelling chairs and tables moving in the floor. Above you when no one was home. From the time I was eight until 26, I literally couldn't go in the house by myself unless there was a light on. There were times where I would wait outside when I was a kid for someone to come home before I went in because I witnessed someone standing in the attic window looking out at me. Now that I've moved 13 miles away from my childhood or early adulthood home, I feel like I'm missing a part of me. The scariest that happened was almost comforting because I knew how it worked. I could fall asleep hearing Mumble talking in the floor above. Was used to walking at all hours in different parts of the house. Am I crazy or did I have some sort of attachment? The weekend started like any other. No plans, just the anticipation of relaxation. But that all changed when my friends barged into my home on Friday morning, announcing a spontaneous trip to Odi, Tamil Nadu. At first, I hesitated, but their infectious excitement won me over, and I agreed to tag along. We are a group of five traveling in a rented car. It wasn't until we were on the road that we realized we hadn't booked a hotel in Udi. Frantically searching online, we discovered that every hotel was fully booked due to the long weekend. Undeterred, we continued our journey, hoping to find accommodation upon arrival. As we reached Udi in the late evening, I stumbled upon a hotel called I-India Hotel located on the outskirts of the city. 
It had great reviews, and the pictures looked promising, desperate for a place to stay. I called the contact number listed on Google Maps, but the call wouldn't connect. Then, in a stroke of luck, I found another contact number in a recently uploaded photo. The man who answered confirmed that they had rooms available at a reasonable rate. However, he insisted that we pay a 50% advance to secure our reservation. Suspicious. We decided to visit the hotel in person before handing over any money. Upon arrival, we found the hotel nestled in a quiet wooded area away from any other buildings. It was an eerie, isolated spot. My friend and I got out of the car to investigate while the others waited near the entrance. The hotel's exterior was well lit, but there was no sign of life inside. We called out, but our voices were met with silence. A creeping sense of unease settled over us as we peered through the windows, noting the tastefully decorated interior. Suddenly we felt as if we were the only people around, and that staying there would be extremely dangerous. We tried calling our friends in the car, but the connection failed. With adrenaline pumping through our veins, we made a split, second decision to leave, and sprinted back to the car. As we sped away, we were plagued with questions. Who was the man on the phone? Why had he uploaded the contact information at that exact moment? Why was the hotel empty when the rest of the town was packed? And why were the lights on if the place was closed? The next day, we met a park ranger named Emily who worked in the area. Intrigued by our story, she told us that there had been a series of scams targeting tourists in the region. People would pose as hotel staff and try to collect advance payments for non-existent reservations. The hotel we'd visited had been closed for renovations, and the owners were unaware of the scam. I always felt safe and secure. I was 16 and had just started dating my future husband, Tom. One night, we were hanging out with his best friend, Matt, in the parking lot of a local park. We were just chatting and laughing when we noticed a huge tow truck parked on the main road. It seemed odd, but we shrugged it off and continued our conversation. After about 20 minutes, it was time for me to head home. I said my goodbyes and got into my tiny car. As I drove past the tow truck, it started up and began following me. At first, I thought I was just being paranoid but the feeling persisted as I drove 10 miles south to my neighborhood. When I turned into my neighborhood and the tow truck followed, my heart raced. Not wanting the driver to know where I lived, I stopped my car near the entrance, just off the main road. The tow truck stopped behind me and I held my breath as a man emerged and walked toward my car. With my heart pounding, I tried to make sense of the situation as he approached. When he was about 15 feet away, he casually said, Get out of the car! No, I shouted, and without hesitation, I sped away. I drove around the neighborhood for 15 minutes trying to calm down. I called Tom, who tried to convince me to report the incident to the police. 
I was too afraid that my mom would ground me, so I never did. The next day, Tom and I went back to the park to see if the tow truck was still there. Instead, we encountered a park ranger named Rob. We explained our encounter with the tow truck driver, and Rob's face grew serious. He told us that there had been reports of an unknown predator stalking the area, possibly looking for vulnerable teenagers. Rob urged us to report the incident to the police and promised to keep an eye out for the tow truck. I finally agreed, and we filed a report together. The police never found the tow truck driver, but I often wonder what could have happened if I hadn't been so quick to react that night. My wife and two kids went for a short day bushwalk hike at a place called Hanging Rock in Victoria, Australia. It's about one hour northwest of Melbourne. You can see what it looks like and get the trail info from generic hiking map page. It's a fairly short walk, only takes about an hour, but we allowed for a couple hours because we wanted to walk around the bottom. And of course, with kids, we usually like to stop for some snacks and a drinks on the way up and just enjoy the play. We had not done this walk before because we are not from the area, but we are somewhat of a walking or hiking family. My wife's family are German and it's basically in their blood and is a favorite thing for all of them to do. I fall into that very well as I have always been an avid walker and hiker too. Because the weather was mild and it was the last day of the long Easter weekend, there were surprisingly not so many people. A couple walked past us on the way down and we saw another group heading up ahead of us. It looked like a family group, but their kids were older. There were also some people having a BB key picnic and some others kicking a ball around down the bottom. Before we go up, I quickly went behind a tree and did a piss, making sure to not be seen. We headed up and I personally started to feel strange. I am a big guy, but I am very fit cardio-wise, and I started feeling out of breath. I thought I must have just had too big a breakfast or something, and so I slowed down and told the wifey and kids to slow down, too. We all eased up, and my wife asked if I was okay. The kids both seemed fine, laughing. My boy was throwing sticks and rocks, and generally, they were just being kids. The uneasiness did not stop. I honestly started feeling really out of breath and as if I was being suffocated and could not breathe. I started freaking out a little, if I'm honest, at this stage and began wondering if I was having some sort of heart attack or something. So I told my kids to hold up. I squatted down on the ground and leaned up against a boulder. My wife started to look really concerned and she grabbed my daughter's fitness tracker watch and put it on my wrist. My heart rate was high about 131 beats per minute, but that was normal as we were going up these steps. Here's where things started to get creepy. As we waited around a bit for me to feel better, my son was now climbing all over the boulders and jumping off them. My daughter put her watch back on, but it stopped reading properly, and she noticed this straight away. It's a brand new kid's fit 
bit that she got for her birthday in February. The time was right bit. It was not reading steps or heart rate. Okay, weird. It just read my heart rate fine, but was not taking hers and the step counter was not working. Whatever. She tinkered with it for a moment while standing and then bizarrely I started to feel better and come good and so we all started off again. We continued up and as we headed up, we got to a rocky clearing where you could look outward. You could see some farmland and a generally it was beautiful. My wife was the only one that brought her phone. I left mine in the car and she wanted to take a picture of us all. Here is where it gets creepier. Her phone was off. She never turns her phone off ever. And it too is fairly new. It's a Sony Xperia and is about a year or two old. Her charge lasts days if she's not watching YouTube. She tried to turn it back on and the low battery image appeared. How is it low battery when she keeps her phone charging at night while she sleeps and we left for our trip first thing in the morning and my wife never used her phone in the car? Because motion sick otherwise, but also I use my phone to navigate us there. Weird. The kids go ahead. My son is running around like a lunatic and my daughter is just walking and taking it all in. And I ask my wife if she thinks it's weird. Her phone is playing up and so is our daughter's Fitbit. She shrugs it off and does not even say anything. We slowly get to the top and as we get there, my son, who is six and full of beans... He's been jumping around, throwing things, and doing cartwheels the whole time. He starts telling us his tummy feels funny. He's now gone pale and looks like he is about to vomit. We asked if he needed a number one or two. No, nothing. He just feels sick, he says. My wife, daughter, and I all look at each other. I think we were all thinking the same thing, but no, no one said anything. We all just starts walking back out and want to get out of there. Too many weird and creepy things are now happening that don't make sense. And now my son feels sick when he was bouncing off the walks 30 seconds ago. We start walking back. My son is now deflated. My daughter is asking questions. My wife isn't saying anything. We all just hurry down. Once we get back down, we walk past the oval and go straight to the toilet. I take my son in. He tries to pee and doesn't need a no. Two, but also does not feel much better, and we're just kind of sitting there thinking about what we do next. Do we leave? He feels sick. What if he throws up? Do we just chill there? Go for another short walk and hope he feels better. Then my daughter just wanders off to this information board while my wife and I were talking about what to do, so we all kind of just follow her. There is a sign about the sacred aboriginal volcanic rock formations, which I had not paid any attention to earlier. The signs, that is, and I start to get a unsettling feeling similar in a way to what I had on the way up. That choky out of breath feeling. My son was chucking rocks at those things. The sacred rocks, he was running up and kicking himself off them. Pretty sure my wife even told him off for spitting once or twice. I became aware of 
it all and realized we were on some kind of sacred land and here's my son acting completely disrespectful. I had taken a piss there and who knows what dumb crap we had done. Maybe it all had an effect. I walk over, tell my son he needs to apologize and make an offering of goodwill. And so do I. He doesn't really understand what I'm saying, so I just say, come with me as I go to head back toward the path for the way back to the start of the summit. And he starts screaming and shouting. I've never seen him do anything like this. Outside of being energetic, he is not at all a sooky or crybaby of a child. My wife comes over, asks what's going on, etc. My daughter is still by the info board, just milling about looking at things. I tell my wife my crazy idea. She gives me that look as if I am insane, picks our boy up, and begins to walk away. So, I walk back on my own. I find some similar-looking volcanic rock before the summit even starts, and I just go quiet and whisper, I'm sorry if we acted rude or misbehaved. This is a beautiful place. We'll be respectful. I'm sorry if my son was disrespectful. Thank you for having us, and I kneel down, touch the ground and the rock, and just sit for a moment in silence. I start walking back, and I notice they're all heading back towards where I am. My son is now walking again. He comes over to me looking like he has some more color in his fact, and I ask him if he wants to say something to the rock like I just did, and that it's fine, and he says, Hi, Rocky Rock. Rocks. Oh, something like that, and I say, No, mate, we need to be respectful, and I tell him to say sorry, say thanks, and say something nice in his own words, and he says, Sorry, Rock, for throwing your rock friends around. See ya next time, Rocky Rock Rock. My wife kind of laughs and shakes her head. My daughter starts explaining to her brother what we just did, why it's important, and we kind of stand around in silence for a second, and then all go back and pile in the car and start to head out and go find somewhere for lunch. We get home later that evening after having a long lunch and walking around a nearby town called Wooden and the kids playing at the playground. Both my son and daughter have had night terrors since they were about three years old. My daughter has mostly grown out of them, and my son still gets them. And I'm talking they're not nice at all. We used to think my daughter was friggin' possessed when she would get them. She'd get aggressive, his and spit and cry and screech. They were horrible. My son, he basically just freaks out and starts screaming and looking absolutely terrified and wanting to jump off his bed, usually. Well, here is the strangest thing. We are all asleep that same night after having been on the walk that day. I sort of just jolt awake in the dark because I sense something. Or hear something. I don't know why I woke up. I kind of, kind of put my head up from my pillow and look around and I see a dark silhouette standing next to my wife. I friggin' absolutely shit bricks. I scream like a girl, what the F. My wife wakes up, screeches loudly, it's our son. He's just stood there kind of grinning and he says something to my wife. She starts asking him questions, what is it? 
Are you okay? Do you need to go to the toilet? He's just grinning in between talking mumbo-jumbo dream-like gibberish. We realize his eyes are glazed over and he is still asleep, and so she takes him back to his bed. He's never done this before, and with everything else that happened that day, we were a little freaked out, looked at each other, and just we to bed without saying anything else. Finally, the last part of all this. The next day at breakfast, as we're all kind of doing our thing, getting ready before school and work, my wife says to me that it's really weird she realized her phone, which was always on 24-hour time mode because she is German and that's just how she had always had it, now is in standard 12-hour time mode. This is the same phone that went off on our hike. She says she swears she never changed it and she can't remember if his was 24-hour time when she first turned it back on the day before or just now, this morning. I know for a fact all our clocks and watches that my wife touches and sets are always on 24-hour time. She even speaks that way and will say it's 17 instead of 5 p.m.